My name is Jeremy Devins, and this is the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. And today's episode will have a video component that you can check out on YouTube. Just search Jeremy Devins Quiet Mind Astrology. You'll see this YouTube video that walks you through explaining how to see the house rulers. So for every house, there's a sign in that house. And then for every sign, there's a ruler of that sign. Right, so this is how we start to understand a deeper layer of complexity to Vedic astrology, what's going on, and when there's not a planet in the house, and you look for where the planet that rules that sign that's in that house is, and this tells you a lot about that house. So this is building on the previous lessons about what the houses are, what the planets are, what the signs are, but now we're going a layer deeper. So as I mentioned before, if you look at the the free guide I created at quietmind.yoga slash houses, you'll see that I talk about the first step is really starting to understand like what's in, how many planets are in a house. So if you've got like three or more planets in a house, that house, those energies, those, those aspects, qualities are going to be more predominant, a bigger focal point for you. For example, when I see people who have three or more planets in the fifth house, the fifth house is creativity, children. If you're going to have kids, good fortune, speculative gains. These people almost, in I'd say, uh, unless there's some negative aspect, every time they, if they have three more planets in the fifth house, they have kids, and the kids are a big part of their life and a big focus of their life. Or, and usually and, they work with kids and they have some sort of creative projects or pursuits like artists, people who uh, teach kids art, uh, people who teach kids creativity, uh, these sort of things, very common in fifth house. If you have three or more planets in the eighth house, you're very likely to be into spirituality, mysticism, Vedic astrology. And this is people who do things like Kundalini yoga, meditative practices. Uh, the more spiritual esoteric forms of yoga are often, anytime people are really into this, is very very likely a lot going on in their eighth house or when i look at charts and i ask about this with people i do readings with it's very common so that's an example of like having a lot going on in the house but then say you don't have anything in the eighth house no planets there but you are very interested in all those things i just mentioned like the occult like looking at occult documentaries uh, spiritual pursuits, the mystical, deeper, like chakras, kundalini, these like deeper, hidden, esoteric teachings. But you don't have any planets in the eighth house. So does that mean astrology is bunk or it doesn't work for you or it's not true? Well, this is where you look at the house rulers to better understand it. So maybe you've got uh, Scorpio in the eighth house. So that alone is going to bring a lot of interest in the occult and spiritual because Scorpio is the original signifactor of the eighth house or karaka so the eighth house and scorpio are synonymous in a lot of ways so that just brings more emphasis and energy there just without even having a planet but then you look at where mars is and mars rules the eighth house now so mars becomes the uh the main thing you want to look at to understand the eighth house so let's say that uh, Mars is with K2 in the first house. So that's going to bring your personality a lot of interest in K2 spirituality and things that are, have to do with detachment and is ruling your eighth house. 
So if you want to understand all the things to do with spirituality and mysticism in your life in the eighth house and the occult, you're going to now look at the first house because that's where Mars is, which is ruling it. And Mars in the first house is going to make you much more athletic and fit. So it's probably going to be like some sort of physical spiritual pursuit. And then K2 brings the spirituality, which can bring detachment from the body. All right, so there can be this push-pull of wanting to be very physical, but also wanting to be very spiritual. Right, and this is just one example. But now I can use the, the video example. If you're watching on YouTube, you can check this out. But if you're just listening, I'll explain it in a way that you don't have to see it. But what I'm going to do is say, uh, open up uh, just a Prajna chart. That's like the, the chart of what's happening just right now. Just a random chart. I'm going to look at the North Indian style. It's got the diamonds and the triangles. And so, for example, in the chart that I've pulled up, again, I'll just explain it. So if you're more visual, you want to check out the YouTube video. But in the seventh house, no planets. Well, I'll just go through it. So in the second house, no planets. And uh, technically in the third house, no planets. Those are uh, not typically recognized by Vedic astrology. Uh, Uranus in this point here, the Upa Graha. Uh, so the first, se or second, third, and fourth houses, no planets. Uh, sixth, seventh, eighth houses, no planets. So... <clears throat> As I'm recording this in December 2019, there's a whole bunch going on in Sagittarius, so that's where most of the things are piled up. But this tells me so, oh, and actually the first house too, no planets, because uh, Neptune is not officially recognized by Vedic astrology. Uh, as I mentioned before in the planets episodes uh, about the outer planets, like Neptune, Uranus, Pluto. So typically in Vedic astrology, we just recognize the inner grahas, planets. So we could say first, second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh, and eighth houses have no planets in this chart. And this is actually just what's happening right now. If somebody was born right this minute in this uh, Texas area where I'm recording, Austin, Texas, uh, this would be pretty much their chart. So if they were born right when I made that. But anyway, so what can I learn about somebody who has no planets in all these areas? Does this just mean like their whole all their stuff's piled up in the 11th house in Sagittarius. Does this mean that their whole life is all going to be about 11th house stuff, like network, uh, peers, colleagues, uh, social circles, gains from career, uh, these sort of things like to do with 11th house, which again, you can always go back to the 11th house episode and review all that. Is that going to mean like that's the only real focus of their life? Because that's where we've got uh, one, two, three, four planets, not counting Pluto, piled up there. Very likely, very likely it's going to be a big focus of their life. Uh, but they've also, you know, Rahu's a really strong energy in the fifth house. So they might be very interested in in working with kids or creative works or published works or gambling, speculative games, things like that. Uh, but say they want to understand their relationships. So this is a really common thing, of course. Everybody wants to know about their relationships. But they don't have a planet there. Does that mean they're not going to have a relationship or it's not important to them? Of course not, right? So we look at the, the number five is in the seventh house. So the house of relationships, the bottom diamond on the, the North Indian style chart. And the number five is in there. So that is Leo, the fifth sign of the zodiac. And it's ruled by the sun, which is over in the 11th house. So if I want to understand where am I going to, or if somebody asks, where am I going to meet my partner or what kind of partner would best suit me? 
Well, it's going to be somebody who has a strong personality and likes to be sort of, uh, you could say dominant on the negative side or controlling on the negative side because the sun is the center of the solar system, right? So again, I, there's no planets in the seventh house, but and I do these in readings, it's often very accurate and very helpful in my own uh, sort of research, very helpful. Uh, but this is what I could tell just by thinking about what the sun is like in bringing that into relationship. So in the, it's in their 11th house, so they might meet their partner at like a networking event. They might meet their partner from their social circles. Like your coworker says, maybe you should check out John and go on a date with John. And then she goes on a date with John and, and he's got this strong personality, he's charismatic, he's bright, that's the sun, big spotlight, right? Having the sun rule your seventh house puts a big spotlight on relationships and your partner is a, in a big spotlight which could lead to issues of codependency, which I've seen a lot because now the, the sun, the, the spotlight is now on your partner. And it can create, for this particular chart, create a push-pull dynamic of wanting to establish yourself in your career and your gains from career, but maybe getting that through the partner more so and feeling this sort of, uh, this conflict of wanting to create your own gains, but your partner bringing in a lot of gains. And if you have... For example, if you're an Aquarius rising and you if you just so happen to have your sun in your 11th house, maybe this is true for you, maybe not. All right, leave a comment or let me know. I'd love to hear from that. Uh, I'm always researching and learning these things. But sun is there with Jupiter, a benefic. Uh, in this particular chart, it's a functional malefic. But in general, Jupiter brings very positive results. So your partner's optimistic. Uh, Saturn's there, so the partner would be also disciplined and structured and like, uh, again, it could be a control issue. K2's there, which brings a more spiritual slant to your partner, but your partner could also be a bit detached, maybe even aloof, uh, but it's in Sagittarius. So doing things like traveling together, having spiritual practices always is very helpful and going on pilgrimages together uh, doing things like in your social circles together for this particular chart would be really helpful because of the 11th house influence, which is like your gains and your or your uh, social circles and peers and colleagues, things like that. So like going out on double dates, going out with uh, to social events, like uh, like your work events together would probably feel natural and helpful for you and, and beneficial to the relationship. Right, so that's just one example. So there's no planets in the seventh house, but you can tell a lot about the the partner and the and Jupiter also. If this was a woman's chart, Jupiter in general represents the partner for a woman. And Jupiter's with the sun, so that just amplifies what I just said. So very likely, even more so, her partner would have those qualities, sort of being the center of attention, uh, liking to be in the spotlight, being very charismatic, uh, being optimistic. Uh, generous, uh, but the Saturn in K2 could challenge that. So it could also turn out that um, the Saturn makes them more frugal and less generous. The K2 could make them more detached, more interested in spirituality than material gains. And common, very common here uh, with this with K2 in the 11th house, people get a lot of wealth and it's just like no big deal. I see, I see this quite a bit with K2 in the 11th house, just like 
yeah, I've got really nice things. I've got lots of money, got lots of resources, and I'm interested in like, you know, what, where can I grow? Like, what can I do to better myself? Um, I want to learn things. I want to experience things. It's, it's not so much about like, you know, resources that like, have plenty. So like, what's next? So there's a sort of detachment from the wealth and the gains of career. And even a bit from the social circles of just kind of like wanting to do your own thing at times and being more introverted. Uh, and I see this quite a bit with uh, K2 and 11. But again, there's four planets there. So there's there's quite a bit of different energies for this particular chart. But let's look at like just some random dates. So I'm going to open up a new chart, just some random uh, new chart. I'll just go into the future, because why not? So random date in the future. Now this person, also Aquarius rising. <laughs> Let's try a different, uh, just, just to get some different perspective. All right, here we go. So now we've got a Gemini rising uh, with no planets in the first, second, third, fourth, eighth, tenth. Okay, so a little bit more spread out here. All right, so let's say this person wants to know about their career. Another really common question and issue. So they've got Pisces in the career, and Pisces is ruled by Jupiter, which is with the sun, which means, um, and then that's ruling the seventh house. So again, no planets there. Neptune is there in the tenth house, but just for the sake of Vedic astrology, we don't usually look at that. What because uh, we look at more of the inner influences, the grahas that have more direct influence. So Pisces is there. They're probably, they might work in water. They might like to be around water. They might like to work in their imagination. And so it's in their, so their seventh house, the relationships is ruling their 10th house of career. So they might work with couples in some way. The sun is there, puts a big spotlight on the partner, similar to what I said before. So uh, this is going to be kind of similar because the sun brings a big focus on the other, on the partner in the relationship. So again, this whenever the sun's there in the seventh house, that could be codependency issues. Um, but this person has Jupiter there, which is their partner. Say it's a woman's chart again. and But it also is the teacher, the guru, the, the one that knows. So there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge and understanding about relationships. So this person would be a great, like, uh, counselor or relationship counselor or in some way working with uh, the mind and, and the imagination with relationships because the relationships are ruling the career so like it's got to be something to do with relationships and partnerships contracts uh, could be like uh, let's see just looking at other things in the chart Gemini's ruling the first uh, Gemini rising in the first house so they're going to be interested in business and very quick-witted and uh, charming and clever. And we've got anything aspecting the career. Saturn's aspecting the career because it's the... So now I'm getting into aspects and kind of branching out here just to get some more perspective on this because, again, there's no, no planets in the 10th house, so Saturn aspects it. Uh, and that brings a disciplined patience, uh, hard work to careers. So they're going to be hardworking, disciplined. It's going to take time to get results in their career. 
might not happen immediately. Uh, they might have a hard time with career because they're kind of dreamy and imaginative. And uh, this is something I could see with people who are on kind of ungrounded in their career. Like they're just like, maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll try that. And then I'll, maybe I'll spend a bunch of money on this training. And uh, maybe that's not for me. Now I just spent all this money, but maybe it's something else. And uh, that kind of stuff can happen with, with Saturn aspecting the 10th house and uh, Pisces being there and the spotlight on relationships. So maybe the partner can help provide and pay for these things. And then K2s in the 11th house. So they might get good, so again, there's that K2 and 11th. So they might get good gains from their career and uh, be kind of detached from it. And the moons and Aries, okay. So that's a big thing too as well. So they're going to be, uh, uh, the moon and Aries, is, it's like uh, almost, prone to conflict where they, they might <clears throat> want to be first in things. They might want to be competitive in things. They will very likely, but the K2 brings a detachment. So in every chart, there's, there's these push pull dynamics that you see of, uh, moon and Aries in the 11th house wanting to have, uh, success and be competitive and be first and be right. But the K2 there, also detached from it. So maybe they want to be the most spiritual and the most wealthy, but they don't care about it. And in their career, it's like, maybe they have all these resources to try these different things in career and explore all these different things and be sort of floaty and dreamy and explorative and uh, imaginative. And, and a lot of communication is going to be a big part of that because of the, the Gemini rising and Mercury with Venus in the, eighth in the sixth house. So in general, I'd say like working with relationships, getting to use your imagination, getting to be creative, getting to be uh, initiative, like having probably your own business uh, or some sort of like private practice, uh, if it's like counseling. Um, the moon in Aries, uh, not the best for counselors, but it can bring a sort of passion for helping others. And just this focus on relationships. So something, if it's it's gonna need to be something to do with relationships to be satisfying. And it's gonna need to be sort of challenging and engaging. So like couples counseling could be really helpful, but it would, might be like after doing quite a bit of work. Um, and even in this chart, I can see in the Navamsha that they go into Pisces rising and then they get Mercury in their career house. So you see a progression there where they become more sort of uh, accepting of their Piscean nature, of their uh, sort of ungroundedness, which can be great for imagination and creativity and new perspectives and getting through blocks and breakthroughs. So that's just one example of how I would look at that. And I would probably ask this person a lot of questions just to be sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of just riffing on what I see here without having the person in front of me to, to validate things. Because with everything in Vedic astrology, there's no one right answer. There's no, you can't just look at a Gemini rising and say, every person who's Gemini rising fits into this box. There's all these variables and there's things I don't see without digging into the chart more. Uh, but just at first glance, those are the things I would look at. So if you don't have anything in your 10th house of career, look what's ruling it. And then you can start to get into eventually like relationships, aspects, other stuff going on in the chart. Uh, and you can see how it kind of builds on what you know as you learn more things. All right, so I hope this lesson was helpful for you in understanding what happens uh, when you don't have a planet in the house 
And then how do you look at the house rulers to better understand that planet and that, that house and those energies in your life? All right, so as always, you can follow me at uh, jeremy.quietmind on Instagram, quietmind.yoga slash houses. You can get the free guide to the houses, the overview, and some journaling exercises for you to do. And uh, like, subscribe, comment, leave reviews. If you leave a review, if you're listening to this in December 2019, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app for Quiet Mind Astrology, and you'll be entered to win access to the online course Mindful New Year, which gives you the full year plan based on Vedic astrology, Ayurveda, and yoga, and meditation, pranayama, and all this stuff that I love getting into. All right, so. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day.